I'll tell you, I think we've already had church. I don't know about you, but uh, as the old timers, I've told you this all the time, every time, you know, church kind of, you know, it was really good. I always think back to being a kid and they would stand up and the preacher would say, I'll tell you, we can leave right now, bless the Lord and say it's been a good place to be, amen. <laughs> but we'd never leave. Uh, they'd keep us a little longer. So we're gonna keep you a little longer for another reason, we've not taken the offering yet. So, and we gotta keep you here. But hey, it has been, an incredible, incredible day here in London, there in Somerset, and, and we're just so glad you're here. Um, I wanna to talk to us about something really, really important, and I wanna start uh, by saying something that probably is gonna shock many of you, and you're gonna find it shocking because no one has ever told you this before, or uh, you're gonna find it shocking because you're finally finding someone who is saying out loud what you have been thinking. But whether or not you're a believer in Jesus, not a believer, you consider yourself a follower, of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus. This is something that we all need to hear because it's true. And you've probably never thought about this. You've probably never heard anybody say this. This, this, is, this is such mysterious truth that you, know, you need somebody like me to point it out for you because the average audience, you, you would never notice this. But, but here's, here's the shocking statement that I, I wanna make for us. And this is it right here. Following Jesus isn't always easy. It's not so shocking, is it? You didn't need anybody else to point that out to you, did you? Following Jesus isn't always easy. I don't know why anybody would ever think that it is. Perhaps if we listen to some people in some circles, they make it sound as though faith is easy. They make it sound as though following Jesus is easy. But following Jesus isn't always easy. And I'm sure if you're a follower of Jesus and you're really honest about it, you, you've probably experienced this many, many times. You probably experienced this at some point every single day of your life. If you ever just stop down, you know, stop long enough to sit down and think about it. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but, but if I could make a personal confession just from my own experience and from my own perspective, I could take it a bit further. Following Jesus for me is rarely easy. Now, I'm not talking about becoming a follower of Jesus. I'm not talking about, you know, being baptized or giving one's heart and life to Jesus as their Savior and Lord, because that's just a matter of simple trust. That's something that children can understand and grasp. I'm not talking about deciding to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. I'm talking about following Jesus after that. I'm talking about following Jesus in the sense of, I I am, this is, this is a bad word. This is kind of a nasty word in the 21st century. I'm talking about obeying Jesus. That following Jesus, obeying Jesus is rarely easy. Actually applying the teachings of Jesus, it's rarely easy. Matter of fact, it's hard. Following Jesus in the sense of obeying Jesus, actually taking what Jesus said, and applying it to your life and my life is a difficult proposition. It's not easy. And if we think it's easy, then we're gonna be disillusioned. If we think it's gonna be easy, we're gonna find out it's not, and we may think something's wrong with us. We may think that it's easy for everybody else, but something's broken within me. But I wanna let in on the nasty little secret that too often we don't talk about in church world is the fact that following Jesus is rarely easy. Whether or not you're a student, whether you're a high school student, middle school student, whether you're single, college, out of college, whether you are you know, married, divorced, kids, no kids, it doesn't really matter. Following Jesus is rarely 
easy. Now let me show you what I'm talking about. Because Jesus taught us to do all of these things and Jesus taught about how life should look and how we're supposed to operate in this life. But have you noticed that it's easier to be bitter than it is to forgive? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to bear a grudge than it is to offer forgiveness? It's easier to do that. Have you ever noticed that it's easier to receive than it is to give? That it's hard to find more joy in giving than we find joy in receiving? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to go one mile instead of two? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to be served rather than serve someone else? Have you ever noticed that pride comes easier than humility? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to hate than it is to love? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to disobey than to obey? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to treat somebody the way they deserve rather than treating them graciously and treating them better than what they deserve? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to worry than not worry? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to be fearful than it is to be faithful? And on and on and on it goes because following Jesus is rarely easy. Following Jesus is often counterintuitive. Following Jesus is often uncomfortable and inconvenient. Matter of fact, if you follow Jesus very long at all, in the sense of you're trying to obey Jesus, you read what Jesus said, you try to apply it to your own personal life, to your relationships, to the way you handle your money, the way that you handle your sexuality, the way that you handle everything that you have to handle in life, you're gonna discover that following Jesus is not easy. It is rarely easy. It's counterintuitive. And if you follow Jesus long enough, you're gonna find out that sooner or later, following Jesus is gonna be uncomfortable. And sooner or later, following Jesus is gonna be inconvenient for you. So let me just, just put it out there for all of us, just so that we all are on the same page. If you're looking for comfort and convenience, Jesus may not be what you're looking for. Now, I know what, I can hear some of you. I, I know what you're thinking. Some of you who are Christians and church people, you're thinking, why are you saying this? This is, this is not, no, this sounds negative. This sounds bad. There may be someone here that's not a follower of Jesus. Don't tell them that. Let them find out on their own. That's a terrible idea. But that's what happened to many people. The church, we just talk as though faith is easy. And then somebody decides to follow Jesus. They find out that faith is not easy. Following Jesus is rarely easy. They think something's wrong with them. They may think something's wrong with Jesus. So what do they do? They walk away disillusioned and leave faith behind. No, you need to know whether you're a follower or not that following Jesus is rarely easy. Now, that's not shocking to anybody. That's not news to anybody. Certainly not news to those of you who are followers of Jesus because you've already experienced this and lived this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know some friends and you're acquainted with their inconsistencies and the difficulties they have to obey. You know some of the hypocrisies that exist among people that you know that claim faith and claim to follow Jesus. So this is not a surprise to you either. But we're not the first to this party. And we're not the first to discover this. Matter of fact, the reason that we believe that following Jesus is rarely easy is because of what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said that whoever wants to be my disciple, that's you, that's me, that's all of us. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now, 
At some point in time, growing up, you know, you heard this quoted, you read this, you know, you heard a song about this. Most every person in this room watching online, you've heard a part of this or you've heard this phrase because this is some of the most important words that Jesus ever spoke that made the record of the New Testament biographies of Jesus. I mean, this is some of Jesus' most famous words. And basically what Jesus is saying is, I want you to know that if you're going to decide to follow me, it's not going to be comfortable and it's not going to be convenient. Matter of fact, it's going to be uncomfortable and inconvenient. But I want you to follow anyway. And you need to follow anyway. Even though following and obeying and applying and taking what I say and actually doing it is going to be inconvenient and uncomfortable, I want you to do it anyway. And you need to do it anyway. You need to learn to deny yourself because you need to be confronted with the idea that you are your own worst enemy. I am my own worst enemy. There is no one who will undermine my own future and the quality and the direction of my life more than me. No one undermines my relationships more than me. No one undermines my life more than me. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to learn how to tell yourself no so you can say yes to me. And if you follow me, it's going to be counterintuitive because you're going to want to go there, but I'm going to tell you to go there. And you're going to want to do it this way, but I'm going to want you to do it that way. And you're going to have to learn not to trust you. You're going to have to learn to trust me. You're going to have to learn to take up your cross. And everybody in the first century knew what that meant. That, that was a symbol of death. That was not a symbol of comfort and convenience. The cross was a symbol of the uttermost uncomfortableness and inconvenience. It was death. And Jesus is essentially saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to lay your life down for me. And you've got to be willing to follow me. Take your cues from me. I mean, who wants to do that? Who, who, who wants to say, not my will, but hey, your will be done? Who wants to say, hey, you know, that's what I want to do, but I'm not going to do it because you want me to do this. I I'm going to sacrifice everything if I need to for you. And I'm going to learn how to live life based on what you teach. And Jesus said, that's exactly what it means to follow me. And if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, Christians, that's, why, that's what we believe. And that's why we take what Jesus said seriously. If the resurrection didn't happen, we wouldn't take anything that Jesus said seriously. We wouldn't. We wouldn't care about what Jesus said if it wasn't for the resurrection. So here's my question to you. In light of the fact that Jesus said this, in light of the fact that Jesus gave us these very tough words, why would anybody in the world want to follow Jesus? Who wants to deny themselves? Who wants to be taking up a cross? Who wants to follow somebody else? Who wants a life that's uncomfortable and inconvenient? Why would anybody want to follow Jesus? And it's because of something else that Jesus said. We said this last week, we talked about this last week, if you were here, if you weren't, but here's something else Jesus said. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, right? You may have heard these words. I have come that they may have, talk to me, what's that word? Life. life. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Yes, I know. If you're going to follow me, you got to deny, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound like a great life at all, but I'm telling you, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. You should never, ever underestimate the power of these words. You can never overstate what Jesus was trying to say here because what Jesus meant, he said clearly, I've come that you may have life, a rich and satisfying life that we mentioned last week, a life that's better than you could ever dream of, a life that when you get to the end of it, you'll look back and say, I'm so glad I did it that way. 
Because here's what Jesus did. Jesus showed up in this world and he promised a better life in this life and eternal life in the next life. That's what Jesus promised. He said, if you follow me, you'll have a better life in this life and you'll have eternal life in the next life. Even though following me means you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What Jesus was saying is, it's going to be worth it. If you deny yourself and you learn to deny yourself, if you learn to take up your cross and if you learn to follow me, it will be worth it. Because what I'm offering you is a better life in this life. I am offering you eternal life in the next life. So when you put together both of these things that Jesus said, here's the message, so clear. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. That's what Jesus wanted us to know. That's what Jesus wants every follower of Christ to know. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. It's best to follow Jesus even when it's hard. It's best to follow Jesus even when it's counterintuitive. It's best to follow Jesus even when it's uncomfortable and inconvenient for you. It's always best to follow Jesus. It won't always be easy to follow Jesus, but it will always be best to follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing, and here's another confession. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time remembering that when it comes to like everyday life. This is hard to remember in the moment of temptation. This is hard to remember in the moment when anger knocks at your door. This is hard to remember when somebody does you wrong. This is, this is hard to remember when you have the opportunity to do the wrong thing and it looks exciting and it seems fulfilling. This, this is a difficult thing to remember in the moment, right? Every day, Monday through Saturday, yeah, I don't know. Growing up in church, they always talked about, you know, living out faith Monday through Saturday. And I was sitting there thinking, what's your house like on Sunday? Because mine's like, it's like hell on earth. Everybody's yelling at each other. Get ready. Aren't you dressed yet? Where's your clothes? Oh, my goodness. Get dressed. Come on. We're going to be late. Everybody's arguing, cussing. Each they weren't cussing, but they were thinking it. And, and then, you know, they're getting to church and, you know, they're on their way to get their blessing. We're going to go get our blessing. We're going to break the law, speed limit, to go get our blessing. I don't know how that works. God, close your eyes. We're going to break the law. But when we get to church, hey, we want our blessing. We're arguing. Wife's got mascara up around her ear and the husband got on mismatched, you know, shoes, the kids. They got clothes on. They're not great, but they got clothes on, right? I think the four-year-old's wearing the seven-year-old's shirt and the seven-year-old's wearing the four-year-old's pants, but hey, everybody's covered and appropriate. You walk in, you're angry at each other, you're out of breath, and you meet that first, you know, happy usher. <laughs> Says, how's your day? And then you lie. It's great. So you broke the law and you're a liar on the way to get your blessing. That was church at my house on Sunday before we ever got to church. So I don't know about Monday through Saturday, I'm talking about faith for every single day and every single moment. And so in order you know, to teach something that's really difficult for us to remember and embrace, it's difficult for us and it was difficult for Jesus' first followers. And in order for Jesus to teach his first followers this important lesson that following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. Listen, in order for Jesus to teach his first followers this, he would often become the architect 
or the allower, ever which verb, you know, ever ever which idea makes better sense to you. Jesus would either allow or Jesus would cause to happen something that would teach his disciples this really important lesson. Matter of fact, Jesus would often either allow or Jesus would create a series of circumstances or a situation that was uncomfortable and inconvenient in the life of his disciples so that they could learn that following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. Jesus would either allow it to happen or Jesus would cause it to happen, whichever makes you feel better. But he would allow his disciples to get into an uncomfortable, inconvenient set of circumstances in order to teach them this. So I have a question. I'm just curious. I'm just asking. Is it possible that our Heavenly Father still allows us to get into situations and circumstances that are uncomfortable and inconvenient in order that we may remember and learn that following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. And so Jesus would put them in an uncomfortable, inconvenient situation to show them that even though it's uncomfortable and inconvenient, that's when you need to obey. That's when you need to follow me. That's when you need to lean in. That's when you need to step up. That's when you need to step out. Because if you will obey me when it's uncomfortable, inconvenient, it leads to a richer life and a stronger It leads to a richer life and a stronger faith, right? If you follow me, this is how it's gonna go down. If you follow me when it's comfortable, if you just follow me when it's convenient, it's not gonna do anything for your faith. But if you follow me when it's uncomfortable, if you obey me when it's inconvenient, it's gonna do something to you that nothing else can. And so one particular example of Jesus doing this in the life of his disciples was after a long day of ministry. He'd healed some lepers, he'd healed a centurion servant, right? And Jesus complimented the faith of the centurion servant, you know, centurion said, oh my gosh, I've not found faith in all of Israel like, like this guy. And then Jesus did something that kind of offended Peter, and, but Peter got over it and forgave Peter for it. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And, and, and after he got past that and, and you know, forgave Jesus for it, uh, you know, they made up and they were able to walk on together, but it was, a, it was a bad deal at first. And so, you know, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then at the end of the day, all these people are just, they just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming to Jesus. And so Matthew, because he was there, Matthew says at the end of that day, this is what happened. Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him because that's what you do. When he's your teacher, he's your rabbi. When Jesus walks, you walk. And so Jesus took off walking. Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee, went down by the shore. He got in a boat. And when you follow Jesus and he gets in the boat, what do you do? You get in the boat because you follow Jesus. Now, Jesus knows exactly where he's leading them. Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen in the direction of where he's leading them. But his disciples, they think they're just following him to get on the boat and head across the Sea of Galilee. They're no strangers to the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is this massive body of water. I mean, it, I mean, it really is like a sea more than a lake. And so Jesus gets in the boat and they get in the boat with him. But Jesus Jesus is about to put them into a very uncomfortable, inconvenient situation to teach them that following Jesus is not always easy, but following Jesus is always best. So they get out there and they're headed across the Sea of Galilee and all of a sudden there's a big storm that shows up. 
And if you know anything about the topography and the geography of, you know, the Sea of Galilee there in Israel and the way the mountains are around the lake, and you can Google this and read all about it, but storms can blow in extremely fast on the Sea of Galilee and they can be big and they can be fierce and they can be dangerous and they can just show up out of nowhere. And so they're out there on their boat and then out of nowhere comes this big chaotic storm. And so here they are, and at first it's no big deal, but the storm doesn't blow past, and, and, and they're getting more nervous and more nervous and more nervous and more nervous. And all of a sudden they, they realize, where's Jesus? And then somebody turns around, and Jesus is sleeping in the bow of the boat. In the middle of all this storm, they're up there nervous, they're freaking out. Jesus is sleeping. And I think I know how they felt. And I bet you know how they felt. Because there have been moments in your life where out of nowhere came something uncomfortable and inconvenient. Out of nowhere came a storm. Out of nowhere, life got chaotic. And in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm, whatever the storm was, no matter where the storm came from, no matter what name the storm went by, all of a sudden, you looked around and Jesus was nowhere around. And you thought that, matter of fact, he may be sleeping. God is sleeping through your storm because you're looking around and he's nowhere to be found. And you're like, God, don't you see me down here? Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you, don't you know how I feel? Don't you see my circumstance, my situation? Don't you care? And that's how they felt. And we've all been there and we've all felt that way to some degree. God, don't you care what I'm going through? God, don't you know what I'm going through? God, do you know how I feel? And so they go and they wake up Jesus. They say, Jesus, wake up, we're gonna die. Get up, get up, get up, get up. And here they are in the midst of this uncomfortable, inconvenient situation. And they wake Jesus up, wondering if Jesus cares, wondering if Jesus knows. But here's the thing, Jesus does care and Jesus does know. He cares about how you feel and he cares about your circumstance and he cares about your situation. But here's a question. I wonder if there's something that he cares more about than just those things. He cares how they feel. He cares about their circumstance. But right now, the thing that he cares more about seemingly is getting them to learn this truth. That following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. That seems to be the trump card. That seems to be the most important thing. Yes, he cares. Yes, he knows. But perhaps in the midst of all of that, there's something else more important that they need to know. And the only way that they can know it is by being made uncomfortable and inconvenient. So they wake him up. And this is, this is what happens. It says, Jesus replied, you little faith, why are you so afraid? You have little faith, why are you so afraid? And I know there's such a thing as healthy fear that keeps us out of you know, danger and trouble, but, but here Jesus didn't seem to think this fear was you know, the healthy kind of fear. He, he saw this fear as the unhealthy kind of fear. And Jesus begins to pit faith against fear. He says, you got a whole lot of fear because you got a little bit of faith. The reason you have a lot of fear is because you have a little bit of faith. If you had a lot of faith, you'd have a little bit of fear. But because you have a little bit of faith, you have a whole lot of fear. 
And the reason that you need to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced is because you need to know what you don't know yet. And you need to believe what you fully don't believe yet. And that's following me isn't easy, but following me is always best. And the reason I know you need to learn it is because you have a little bit of faith. And the reason I know you have a little bit of faith is because you have a whole lot of fear. Because fear is the arch nemesis of faith. Fear will keep you from going to the place that faith is trying to take you. And as long as you're fearful, you'll never have big faith. And as long as you have big fear, you'll never experience God in the way that you want to experience God. And your life will never look the way that you want your life to look and the way that Jesus says your life is to look as long as you have big fear and little faith. So Jesus said, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And I think they're thinking, really? You need to ask? Because we're about to die. And when you're about to die, you get afraid. So we are about to die, so we are afraid. Because that's what happens. Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. They woke him up. Jesus looked at him and said, the reason you have a whole lot of fear is you have a little bit of faith. And then Jesus just looks at the wind and the waves and the rain and says, peace be still. And as fast as the chaos rolled in, chaos was rebuked and calm set in. Wow. It says the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. It's amazing. And if you'd been there, you'd been amazed too. I, I was a hellion, still am from time to time, but I, I was a hellion professionally a while back, you know, uh, late teenage years, early 20s. And, and when, I, when I came back to faith and, and gave my life to Christ and, and Jesus just dramatically changed my life and I'm still trying to figure out lots of things just like you and still trying to, to work to be the person I know God's calling me to be. But I, I remember I just decided in those early days, you know, you're all pumped up and fired up. And I just thought I, I was gonna be big faith, big faith guy. And, and I was gonna pray big prayers and I was just gonna believe big. And, you know, I was gonna read the Bible and take the Bible as words. And I was just gonna go with it, man. I was gonna, I was gonna be big faith, big faith. And I remember, you know, I have some trauma about some early tornado experiences in my childhood years. And I kind of freak out a little bit during thunderstorms, not as, not as bad after therapy, but I, I still don't enjoy them. And, and so me and Allison were freshly married and she heard this story for the first time at 10, because you don't do these things when people are at home because they'll just think you're crazy. Uh, so you tell them about it afterwards so they can think you're crazy then. But uh, so I was home alone and we had our little rental house and, and we live right on 25th street in Middlesboro, you know, Kentucky. And, and so there was a huge storm and there were tornado warnings, you know, all over the TV, you know, and I'm kind of, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I'm getting a whole lot of fear. And I'm saying, okay, I don't want a whole lot of fear. I need a whole lot of faith. And so I don't have a whole lot of fear. So I just remember, I just, I, I kind of manned up, put on my big boy pants. And, you know, I, I, I walked outside of the front porch and here came that storm and it was, wind was blowing and the rain was sideways and thunder and lightning, you know, people, you know, on TV saying, you know, tornado, get shelter. I walked out there on the front porch and I looked up in the sky and I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you storm. Honest to God, I did. You say, what happened? Not a thing. And I did what you do in that moment. You go back in and you watch the Weather Channel. 
Jesus does this. Now, if you've done it and it worked for you, then hey, great. I'd like to hear it. No, I don't want to hear about it. All right. But, but, but here's Jesus and they're like, oh my gosh. Wow. Even the winds and the waves obey this guy. So there was a lesson learned that day in the boat. And the lesson that the disciples learned that day in the boat is this. You don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Was there something to be afraid of that day? Yes. But they didn't have to be afraid, even though there was something to be afraid of. They had a little faith and a whole lot of fear, but if they'd had a lot of faith, they would have had a little bit of fear, even in the face of something worth being afraid of. Even when there's something to be afraid of, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because they were learning that Jesus cares. Master, do you not care that we perish? Of course he cares. They're learning that he cares for them, that he loves them. But here's what else they're learning. He's in control. He controls the winds and the waves. He controls the storms. He controls the situations and the circumstances if he so chooses to. And when the one who controls it all cares for you without limit, what do you have to be afraid of? When the one who cares for you, loves you, controls it all, what do you have to be afraid of? Even when there's something to be afraid of. So they're learning. So time goes on, a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe a year or so. Jesus is performing another big miracle. He he feeds 5,000. Many people think that with the women and children, it could have numbered up to 20,000 people. We don't know, but but we know at least there were 5,000 people there and they took some loaves and fishes and and Jesus blessed it and there was this big miracle and the disciples were like watching it firsthand play out that Jesus was was healing all of these people. It was incredible and it was amazing. So it was at the end of that miracle, as thousands of people are kind of hanging out around, this is what Matthew goes on to say. Immediately, right after this miracle, like immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, this is interesting. Why did Jesus have to make them get in a boat? Because of what happened the last time Jesus put them in a boat. (laughs) Jesus is walking along, going back, and they're following him. Jesus gets up to the boat, and he sidesteps. He says, guys, get in. (laughs) I don't know. No thanks, dry ground's good for me, Jay. Yeah, all right? And it says Jesus made them. I mean, imagine, it's like, it's like a parent and children. I told you to get in the boat. No, get one, two, get in the boat. Jesus makes them get in the boat. This is, this is crazy. I mean, this is, I love the New Testament. You should read it. It's great. It's real life. I mean, this is exactly the way that it would be if we were there. So it says, after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And if you know anything, again, about the geography around the Sea of Galilee, there's lots of different places that Jesus could have prayed and had a vantage point of seeing what was going on down there on the water. So you got the same guys on the same body of water, perhaps in the same boat. And Jesus is up here and maybe he can see them, but even if he can't see them, he still knows because he's Jesus, he knows all things. He knows what's going on. He knows what's about to happen. It says, and the boat, the boat that the guys were in, was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by 
hindered by, inconvenienced by, made uncomfortable by the waves because the wind was against it. And this time it was like a windstorm. And here they are out there for hours and hours and they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. And they're getting nowhere. They're far enough out, it's too far to go back. But they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing and they're frustrated because they're working hard and they're getting nowhere. Have you ever been there? You feel like you're working hard, you're getting nowhere. You feel like you're trying hard and you're not improving. You feel like you're not, you know, moving the needle of faith at all. Feel like you're in the same place this year as you were last year, maybe worse. And here Jesus allows them to sense this frustration. In the midst of this inconvenient, uncomfortable circumstance, perhaps in order again to remind them, following Jesus isn't always easy, but following Jesus is always best. So they're out there literally for hours. And it tells us that sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., because it happened in the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Matthew says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. There's Jesus again, showing out, doing, doing what nobody else can do. He's rebuking winds and waves, and now he's walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear because these guys are dumber than a box of rocks. <laughs> I mean, if we would have been there, automatically would have thought, it's the Messiah, it's the Son of God. No, I mean, they're just, these guys are so slow to learn. Their initial response is, it's a ghost. And their little bitty faith, a whole lot of fear. And fear is keeping them from learning what Jesus is trying to teach them. And fear is keeping them from becoming what Jesus is trying to make them into. But Jesus shows up and he says, and immediately said to them, Take, talk to me, what's that word? Courage. courage. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And something happens in this moment. <laughs> I love this. I love Simon Peter. They're sitting there in the boat. They've been rowing for hours. They're frustrated. They're wet. They're cold. It's dangerous. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. And Simon Peter's sitting there thinking. He sees Jesus walking on the water. He hears Jesus say, don't be afraid. And automatically now he's simultaneously multitasking. He's thinking back. Oh my goodness, we've been here before. Something real similar happened not long back, remember? And he's thinking, oh, Jesus stood up and it was amazing. He said, peace, be still. And, it was, and he's sitting there thinking to himself. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as he's rehearsing this and rethinking this, his faith is getting bigger and his faith, is, his fear is becoming smaller. His faith is becoming bigger and his fear is becoming smaller. And all of a sudden, the balance is being tilted and it's happening slowly, but it starts happening more rapidly. And what used to be a lot of fear and a little bit of faith is now becoming a lot of faith and a little bit of fear. Jesus says, take courage. Don't be afraid. It is, I, you don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. And Peter's thinking about this and he thinks back to that. And all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on, but he's thinking, I don't want to be where I'm at right now. I want to be out there. That's where the action is. That's where Jesus is. I've been in this, I've been in a boat hundreds of times. I've actually been in a boat in the storm with Jesus. Jesus is not in the boat. Jesus is out there on the water. I want to be out there. And maybe it was a whisper. Maybe it was a nudge. 
Maybe it was like a tap on the shoulder where Peter was thinking, I don't want to be in this boat any longer. I want to go out there in the midst of it all with Jesus. So it says, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter had been in a boat on the water hundreds of times, but there was a place that he had never been, and that was on the water himself. He'd been in a boat on the water. He'd been in the water many, many times, but he had never been on the water. And in that moment, he wants to take a step to a place he'd never been. And in this moment, he wanted to do what he had never done. And he wanted to become what he had never been. He wanted to step out of that boat and he wanted to stand where he had never stood, become who he had never been, do what he had never done. Bid me to come to you on the water. You see, what's happening here? This is, this is so practical, but this is so powerful. What's happening here is he's finding courage. So where's this courage coming from? Is it personality? Is he an alpha male? You know, what is it? What, tell me, where, where does that type of thing come from? It comes from his confidence in Jesus. And because of what's happened and because of previous experiences and because of what he knows about Jesus, he's now got confidence in Jesus. And as he places his confidence in Jesus, he has courage that begins to surface within himself because that's the way it works. When you deposit courage in your heavenly father, your heavenly father will deposit courage in you. And courage, if you want to know what courage is, courage is a willingness to step out when you are not sure how it will turn out. Courage is the willingness to step out when you're not sure how it's going to turn out. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. But he believed he knew how it would turn out. And Jesus said, Come, come. The wind is blowing, the waves, everybody else there in the boat. And Jesus says, come on, Peter. Is Peter afraid? Yeah, but he's got more faith than fear. Fear is no longer the obstacle. Faith is overpowering fear. Is it gonna be uncomfortable and inconvenient to do what he wants to do and what Jesus is now inviting him to do? Yes, but is it exhilarating? Is it exciting? Is this something he's never done before? Absolutely. But he's got willingness to step out when he's not sure how it will turn out. He listens to the nudge. He listens to the whisper. And he begins to step out. It says, then Peter, got down off the boat, and walked on the water, a place that he had never been before. Now all of a sudden he's doing what he has never done before. And now all of a sudden he is what he's never been before. He's a person walking on water. And I can only imagine, I mean, I, I, just, I have to think about this when I read the, the, the New Testament. I mean, there's no easy way to step out of a boat 
There's an easy way to step out of a boat into water, but there is not an easy way to step out of a boat onto water. I don't, I don't know how you do that. There, there came a point that he just had to fully commit. <laughs> oh, I'm freaking out. I mean, I mean, it would have been amazing. But he steps one step beyond certainty. He takes one step beyond what's familiar. He takes one step beyond what he can know. He takes one step beyond fear. And he's in a place where he's never been. He's now all of a sudden a person he's never been before, doing something he's never done before. And, and here's, here's the thing. Here's the lesson. If you want big faith, you have to be willing to wet your pants. That's it. He had to be willing to wet his pants. And if you're not willing to wet your pants, you will never have big faith. When they ask you at lunch today, what did they teach you at church? Teach them, you know, teach that person that asks you, if you want big faith, you have to be willing to wet your pants. Sir, ma'am, are you willing to wet your pants? Right? I mean, that, and that's it. If he wasn't willing to wet his pants, he would have never stepped on the water. And imagine the others, the other 11, because they're in the boat. And now all of a sudden, Peter's walking on water and they're looking at each other like. But then you know how the story ends. But when he saw the wind, Peter was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? No, don't miss this, because we're wrapping it up. Jesus isn't rebuking Peter for attempting too much. He's rebuking Peter for trusting too little. He got distracted, his focus impacted his faith. He focused wrong, his faith suffered. Now all of a sudden, big faith, little fear, turns back to little faith and a lot of fear. And it says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. And everybody that day learned a lesson. The 11 inside the boat learned a lesson. And the one outside the boat, on the water, who started to sink, who was saved by Jesus and brought back in the boat, learned a lesson that day. And here's what I think. I think that Jesus allowed Peter to discover that life is much more exciting outside the boat than it is inside the boat. That it's dangerous, it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient, but boy, life out there sure beats life in a familiar, safe boat. I think the others, I think they decided that day that if they ever got the chance, they would do what Peter would do, what Peter did do. But as far as we know, they never got the chance. And I think they regretted it. Because even though Peter walked on the water and then he began to sink, and then Jesus lifted him up, brought him in the boat, it was like a party they watched happen, but they were not a part of. And here's what they all learned that day, whether through observation or through participation. When you step up and step out, God will show up and show out. That that's kind of the principle. You show up, you step up and step out, God will show up and show out. And here's what, here's what this story means to me. 
and this is what I hope it means to you. I don't wanna live my life as one who stays in the boat. I don't wanna be the person who finds safety in the boat. I don't wanna be a person who seeks what is comfortable and convenient. I don't wanna settle for what is familiar and what is safe. I wanna be the person who has faith, who says, you know what? I don't wanna be in the boat anymore. I wanna be out there where the action is. I wanna be out there where Jesus is. I wanna be out there where he's calling me. He's calling me out on the water. He's calling me out of this boat. I've heard this whisper. I felt this nudge. I felt this tap. This is what I gotta do. And I wanna do it. I don't wanna play it safe with my faith anymore. I wanna be out there because I believe he cares, he knows, and he's in control. And if that's true, what do I have to be afraid of? So I'm gonna get out of this boat. You say, yeah, but he fell down. He began to sink. Yeah, he did, but he got out of the boat. I'd rather fail sinking after standing on water than fail sitting in a boat and never giving it a shot. I don't wanna be that person. Some of you, some of us right now, we're in a boat. And Jesus is calling us out of the boat. But to step out, it feels dangerous. It feels unsafe. It feels uncomfortable. It feels inconvenient. And for whatever reason, you refuse to step out because you're not sure how it will turn out. You don't want to step out of the boat because it's uncomfortable. It's going to be inconvenient. Don't stay in the boat because you've heard the whisper. You felt the nudge. And he's been calling you out to stand where you've never stood, to do what you've never done, to be who you've never been. And until you get out of that boat, you'll never experience God the way you want to experience God. I will never experience God the way I want to experience God. Our faith will never grow the way that we want it to grow, the way that God wants it to grow until I get out of my your next step, if you get out of the boat, may be inconvenient, but it won't be inconsequential. Your next step, if you get out of the boat, may be uncomfortable, but it won't be unprofitable. It'll profit you, it'll profit somebody else. So here's my question to you. What is your uncomfortable and inconvenient next step? For some of you, it's giving your life to Jesus. For some of you, it's getting baptized. For some of you, it's sharing your faith with somebody you care about that's far from God. For some of you, it's pursuing your dream. It's acknowledging the call of God on your life to do what he's called you to do. It's to become generous. to make your life available to other people and to serve people in some way where God has made a difference in your life. You, you, you know what it is because you've heard the whisper and you felt the nudge. And truth be told, you wanna to get out of that boat, but you're so, so afraid that it's gonna be so uncomfortable and inconvenient. But if you step out, he's there. He cares, he knows, he's in control. You don't have anything to be afraid of, even when you've got something to be afraid of. 
So for the past three or four weeks, I've been trying to teach Shepherd a prayer and in Grayson, but Shepherd, Shepherd can memorize more than Grayson can at this moment. But I, I feel like this is at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. And I think this is at the heart of, of what we're talking about today. I've been teaching Shepherd this prayer and teaching him to memorize it. Father, give me the wisdom to know the right thing to do. Father, give me the wisdom to know the right thing to do and the courage to do it even when it's hard. I dare you to pray today. Heavenly Father, call me onto the water. Call me out of this boat. I dare you to pray. Father, give me the wisdom to know the right thing to do and the courage to do it even though it's going to be hard. Heavenly Father, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe in this moment you would just whisper that prayer. Father, call me out on the water. Call me out of this boat I'm in. And God, give me the courage to step out. Even though I know it's gonna be hard, uncomfortable and inconvenient. Call me out of this boat I'm in. And call me out there to where you are. And let me stand where I've never stood. Let me do what I've never done. And be who I've never been.